Hello, Mr. Brian Colon. Welcome to Latino Greatness. Good to have you here today. Mr. Vasquez, it's great to be with you. You are a Puerto Rican lawyer and politician currently serving as New Mexico State Auditor since 2019. You are the former chairman of the Democratic Party of New Mexico and has served with the Board of Trustees for Albuquerque Community Foundation. Why is the position of data auditor so important in New Mexico? Well, Marco, let me tell you just a little bit about my journey. I think you hit a couple of the highlights there, which are yeah, really important. Uh, as we're here at APAC, uh, I was former chair of the Democratic Party for three years and then served, uh, was the nominee for Lieutenant Governor of New Mexico eight years ago, and then I ran for state auditor uh, two years ago and, and won that nomination and, and won the general election uh, uh, with about half a million votes uh, in New Mexico. And yes, I served with the Albuquerque uh, Board of Trustees for the foundation there, but I also served with the New Mexico Hispanic Bar Association and with many Latino organizations uh, that really do community building in New Mexico to give a minority majority state uh, really a voice, a voice for people of color in the in the uh, Southwest. And so that's a, been very important. Is there a big Latino community in New Mexico? Very substantial, very substantial. We were, uh, I think, the first uh, minority majority uh, state in the union. Okay. So. As auditor of the state of New Mexico, what finance project is New Mexico making to evolve the Latino community? Sure. So a couple things. My job as state auditor is, uh, it's an elected position and, and our job is the independent constitutional officer for New Mexico. We oversee all the expenditures in the state. So for instance, in the next year, the state of New Mexico will have a $7.5 billion budget. And my job as state auditor is to review all the transactions associated with that $7.5 billion. So we conduct anywhere from 800 to 1,000 audits a year with my team and the independent public accountants that work with me. And uh, we try and fight waste, fraud, and abuse. And we have a fraud hotline where if people are uncomfortable with things they see going on in government, they can contact us. We do uh, our work through a special investigations division and, uh, and then produce reports to inform the public about uh, whether their government is serving them correctly or not and hold people accountable. That's what we do every day at the Office of the State Auditor. In terms of specific programs to do Latino outreach right now, of course, as you know, Marco, the big push is to make sure that we count everybody yeah, uh, in right. the census. So we're making sure in New Mexico that we do some very specific outreach to people of color, Latinos in New Mexico. Uh, you know, our communities are not always the first to step up and say, yes, we want to interact with the government, particularly when they want to count us. And so we've tried to change that culture a bit and explain to them how important it is in terms of long-term resources for the state of New Mexico and electoral representation so that they do have a voice in their government, uh, that they be counted in the census 2020. Yeah, so you are known to give work to all the minorities. And does that work in the state or it has been a problem these years? Well, I think uh, more and more what we've seen in New Mexico is that uh, people of color, minorities, Latinos, or as we call them in New Mexico, we call them Hispanics. Yeah. Uh, we use different terms or Chicanos uh, for the older generation. But uh, <laughs> what we find is that the entrepreneurial community and the elected officials in New Mexico it's very diverse. We have very strong representation of Latinos in our government and in our entrepreneurs. Most small businesses in New Mexico are, are started Latinos. by Latinos. Uh, it's a very entrepreneurial community, so they, have a, they certainly have a seat at the table for the business community. We have the largest Hispano chamber in the country is in New Mexico. So while we're a pretty impoverished state, we, we, we struggle with economic security, food security, we struggle in education, but there are some areas where we get it right, and at least in terms of embracing 
the Latino community and giving them uh, a platform to try and be heard, I think we're making a lot of progress there with our Hispano Chamber, uh, many organizations like the Hispanic Bar Association uh, for the lawyers, like I've been a lawyer for 20 years, uh, or 19 years I guess, I don't <laughs> want to exaggerate. Uh, for 19 years we have a New Mexico Hispanic Bar Association that really promotes and makes sure that our, our judiciary or our bench, our judges, uh, when our young people in New Mexico look up at the bench, they see people of color, they see Latinos up there so that they know that that's something they can aspire to someday and they don't just see a bunch of old white men being judges. Yeah, because when Latinos see like, like you say, old white men being judges, like they feel uncomfortable in the, in the state. So yeah, it's good that you have like many races working with you and that's make the community like going together and it will work in the future. Right now you say you're struggling, but I hope it will work. New Mexico as a state. We have such a diverse history in New Mexico. You know, we have many parts of the state that have literally seen three flags fly over the communities. We oh, yeah. had, well, they were part of Mexico, and then, the, then under the Spanish flag, and then now under the New Mexico flag under the United States of America uh, as a union, uh, as, as part of the union. And so uh, the culture is very, very rich. It's a very proud people, a very proud people, not a boastful people, and there's a difference between being proud and being boastful. Uh, what is it? Well, I think that they're very proud of their heritage, but they may not be the first to stand up and speak to their accomplishments oh, okay. and tell their family story. And so I think my mission in life over the last 20 or 30 years has been to empower people to be able to tell our story. We have a lot of philanthropists in the Hispanic community and the Latino community, but, but I think the way we were raised is you do good things, but you don't tell other people about it. You do it quietly. Yeah. You know, whether it's the majority of us were it's Catholics or... It's an mindset, I think so. Uh, I think you, you, you don't tell nothing until you accomplish it. Right. So you don't put nobody in, in your process. And I think that is wrong sometimes because you need help sure. and more help of the community, like the Latino community. I think Latino community helps each other, like businesses. You will see Latinos going to Latinos businesses, like restaurants and everything like that. So it's good to involve in the community. No question. And for me, my personal uh, work is uh, in very well known in New Mexico. I, I try and mentor as many young men of color as okay. possible and support them on their journey because I know that, uh, you know, I certainly wasn't the first in my family to go to college and break the cycle of poverty without help, having people help me. Okay. So many help, people helped me along the way. My father died when I was a young boy and, and I was a teenager when he passed away and I didn't have any family in New Mexico from that time forward. So you started alone, everything. So I was alone. And so the only reason I was able to live my father's dream, which was that I'd go to college and break the cycle of poverty, is because people in the community stepped up and supported me. So for me, it's about repaying that debt to my community that is so deep. And uh, my gratitude uh, uh, is, is really bountiful and uh, plentiful. And so for me, that's why I really try and help as many young, incredible people like yourself oh, that are really you, making Mr. a difference in the community. Thank you, Mr. Brian. But why is it important to Latinos vote Democratic this year, in the elections year? So I think, I think it's important that Latinos vote, period, number one. Vote, okay. But for me, uh, I'm an advocate for democratic values and the, and the party values uh, have been for a long time. I've been a lifelong Democrat. And so uh, I know that the values of the Democratic Party are the values that allowed me to succeed that allowed me to go to college and get a finance degree and then go on to law school and become a lawyer. And then one generation out from the poverty I grew up in, I mean, I grew up 
you're too young to remember what they called commodities, but they used to, in the old days, instead of the EBT cards or the, oh, the welfare cards, it was very embarrassing. You'd stand in line and they'd, they'd pass out blocks of cheese and powdered milk and they called them commodities. Yeah, and in what year was that? So this would have been in the in the 70s and 80s. So you cannot buy with the commodities, everything, they just gave it to you? Yeah, they give it to you and you stand in line to get it oh. and they bring in the trucks and, and it, was a, it was a very uh, difficult and in some ways very humiliating process. Yeah, and that. so uh, I know that democratic values that allowed people who live in poverty to help them have some dignity even in spite of their poverty, those are the values that are important to me. And I think those are the values that I've seen the Democratic Party advance. And one generation out from those blocks of cheese and the powdered milk that I grew up on in Section 8 housing, which is housing that the government helps pay for, uh, one generation later, my son's on a presidential scholarship at George Washington oh. studying biomedical engineering. So I have a lot to be grateful for. Yeah, so, I see that with the Democratic Party. That's right. They help the Latin community and we, being a, a Democratic president, do you think they will help Puerto Rico more than the Republican? Well, I certainly like to think so. I think that both parties have have done a, a less than stellar job. I think we both, both parties, every elected official uh, in the federal government needs to take them. some responsibility for how poorly we've treated Puerto Rico. Yeah, I see that with the hurricane right now and they are still struggling with everything in Puerto That's Rico right. and they, they don't have help from the government here. One year ago, one year ago, I went to Puerto Rico to help put in a water system in, in a community that that's where my family's originally from. It's from Puerto Rico and my, that's where my father was born. And, and uh, so for me, it's a personal issue and I've spent some time there to try and make a difference. But I think all elected officials and frankly, all Americans really need to better educate themselves about the status of Puerto Rico. Uh, far too often they think, you know, whether it's our president or whether it's individuals in America, they think it's a different country. And it's, you know, they don't really understand it's part what a of commonwealth United is. States, yeah. Of course, of course. Yeah, and you know, uh, Puerto Ricans vote in the primary for the United States elections. Do you think this year will take, like, Puerto Rico's vote will go Democratic or Republican this year? You know, it's hard to say, but I suspect that if I've seen what's been going on at the federal government, I'd be pretty disappointed. And I think that disappointment usually lands at the president's feet. Oh. And so I would assume that, uh, you know, Puerto Rico has very interesting politics and I'm not an expert on those politics, but I, I hope they vote Democrat. <laughs> Let me just leave it at that. Okay. What can folks do to increase Latino engagement in the political process? Well, I think in order to increase Latinos' engagement in the political process, I think you have to take a step back. I think you have to increase Latinos' engagement in community. Yeah. just in community in general, helping them understand the public policy and that community engagement, that's where you really make a difference. And then if you start in the community, community organizing, community engagement, working with school boards, city councils, county commissions, state houses, state senates, then you can really understand how important it is to be involved in that process of community engagement, which then takes you to politics because it's elected officials that actually set the public policy. And then what happens, the beauty is, is that somebody like Marco, you sitting in front of me at 21 years old, uh, you understand this today, and then in five years, then you can run for the legislature, you can run for, for the Senate, you know, all these things. But we have to keep you involved in the community so that you feel like you have a place at the table. 
So that's always been my life goal, is to get as many young people as I possibly can. Yeah, as you're doing it right now in the New Mexico, in the Mexico state, like involving everyone, Correct. not just white people. Correct. If there is one message you can give to young Latinos, what, what will it be? In many ways, you have the capacity to control your future. Even in this country or Even whatever country? in this country or whatever country you're in, I think that it's very normal to underestimate your own capacity as a young leader. But I look at, we're here at the APAC convention, there's 4,000 young people here, uh, which is- Trying to change the world. Truly amazing. And they're trying to change the world. And what we need to do is affirm that behavior. What I need to do as a gentleman who's just turned 50 years old, who's in public office, uh, I need to affirm that behavior on your part. I need to make sure that you understand how much I value you being here. Mm -hmm. I need to make sure you understand how much I believe in you and that my job as an elected official is to say that I'm in your corner, that whatever I can do, whatever resource I have to assist you in what you're trying to accomplish, mm -hmm. I need to make that available to you. I need to make sure that not only do I tell you that I'm in your corner, but that I show you I'm in your corner. You're showing me by being here in the podcast today, so. That's a great pleasure for me today having you here well, and having and making time for me. You're really busy and an I honor. know. It's an honor. And my, that's always my goal. And I tell young people that my goal in life is to exceed young people's expectations on how quickly I respond to their requests. And for you, I think I responded instantly. Many when you sent me five a, minutes. Less than five minutes, right? You sent me a message on WhatsApp. I tried to respond as quickly as I possibly could and then made myself available within an hour of the yeah. time you asked. Yeah, that's so fast. I, 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 I didn't believe it. Like someone like you working in APEC right now, giving conference, make time for me. That's really valuable. And I appreciate you Latino. You inspire me and I'm Latino. So that's why I, that's what I am trying to do, making the Latino community come together. And that's my main goal here in the United States. Well, just know, Marco, when you call on me, the answer is going to be yes. I'm in your corner, and I'll prove it every time. Thank you, Mr. Brian Colon. Nice to, nice to have you here. The pleasure is mine. Gracias.